All right, guys, welcome back to Unfiltered Christianity. I'm here with my boy, Brennan. What's up, Brennan? Uh, I'm just happy to be here, man. Yeah, Brennan hasn't been saved a whole lot. Um, so we're going to have questions and dialogue based from his perspective to me, who has been saved for a number of years. And so we're going to talk about a number of different topics. We're going to just see what the Lord has to say, and the Lord is going to guide us as we talk. And so... Whenever you want to start it off, man. Uh, well, thank you, first off, Daniel, for inviting me on your podcast. It, it really is an honor to be here. Thank you, man. Well, I'm glad to have you. Um, uh, I, I want to start off first by maybe giving a little bit of background about myself. I think for this conversation, it's probably imperative to provide a little bit of a background as to why I am where I am today and how I got here. Uh, so when I was younger... I grew up in a household that was Christian, but not, they weren't a church-going family, per se. Uh, I remember it was just one of those things where you were, we were always Christian, we always went to church, we always went to Bible school, we did all those things, but it was never one of those things where it, a Sunday morning we went, got up and went to church, on Sunday mornings we got up and we ate breakfast and we lounged around the house all day. Um, but I remember specifically, it was maybe the third or fourth grade, we got a knock on our door. And that was very abnormal for us. And it turned out to be um, the the pastor of our local Baptist church and uh, a group of other people with him. And they basically invited me specifically to come and join the youth ministry at the church. And that started a great time of every Wednesday night, me being able to go to church, um, being able to interact with uh, similar people um, and learn about the Lord and the Spirit on a deeper level than I did before. Um, but that, that was just the beginning. It, it kind of took a turn from where church became more of learning about God and wanting to grow spiritually to kind of a, a devious route of uh, going to church to see the girls that were there, going to church to, I've yeah, yeah. A lot of people have been there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I remember specifically some point in middle school, and I'm not proud of that at all, but there was like this girl on the church bus because we'd get picked up. <laughs> and I, I remember. Boy, I already know. <laughs> and I remember just this girl, she, oh, she was beautiful. At the time, I was like, this is everything. And I remember she would sit at the back of the bus and we would go over a lot of train tracks. <laughs> Boy, it's just bad news. Just stay away from the back of the bus for all you listening. It's just ain't nothing good happening in the back of the bus. Uh, yeah, I, I just remember sitting there, um, and I would always look at the back of the bus, and we'd go over all these train tracks, and she was just a girl that was blessed by the Lord is all I could say. Uh, <laughs> and that just started a devious route of me going to church uh, for the wrong reasons. Um Long story short, uh, that happened. I moved around a lot, so I never really found a home church. Uh, and I met a girl in high school, and she kind of swayed me, uh, like unintentionally, she swayed me away from Christianity because she wasn't a Christian. She was an atheist. Um, she grew up in a Muslim household, but she herself was an atheist. Um, and it became a choice where it was like, I'm with a girl who doesn't believe in this, and she presented science and all of these facts that made sense at the time in my head so I swayed away from Christianity after being saved multiple times throughout my time um, and that led me all the way through high school being an atheist believing only in science uh, going through the first couple of years of college that same way 
And then 2020 hit, and I moved out to work at Disney World, and a lot of bad stuff happened, which was good in the long run. Um, mental health issues came up, and I got fired because, well, we, got, we all got sent home from the Disney College program, and I found myself at home alone with my thoughts, uh, broken up with that girlfriend with no one else but myself. Uh, and I just decided one day to go online, and I found a church service. And I decided to go to this in-person outdoor service they had. And that very first day I was there, I felt something come over my body and my soul. And I got saved that day right then and there uh, for the first true time in my life, I believe. And everything's uh, been completely different since. Yeah, that's awesome. So what do you think was the difference? As you said, you grew up in a Christian house. So what makes you think that this outside service saved you and not the rest of your time at... Wednesday night service or growing up in a Christian family, what made, what was it specifically about that service? Well, I think one of the major differences was when I was going to the Wednesday night services as a kid, it was more so an escape from my, like the real life I was living from my household of divorced parents and a, uh, unruling stepfather to a mother who just was understanding of my needs at the time. Uh, it provided an escape to where I could go around people who didn't know my situation they didn't know me and they just accepted me for who I was but that presented itself to going for the people rather than the spirit so it was a complete disconnect but when I came to the church I'm at currently that first outdoor service it became a situation where I was seeking the Lord's guidance and help from day one to whereas before I was seeking acceptance from my peers uh, so that was just the true um, difference was that when I came, I felt the spirit in a way that I never had because I wasn't, I had no friends at this church. I didn't have anyone to talk to. I was a loner just looking for the acceptance of the Lord. And that was a, a huge difference from where I came from. Yeah, I completely get what you're saying because there's a difference that we as Christians need to make. And that is you can be a Christian, but with, and not have God as your savior. I got saved when I was six years old. I know I haven't really talked about that much in my podcast, but a little bit more about me is that I got saved when I was six, grew up in the church willingly, and every Wednesday, Sunday, I was there before church, after church, running sound, doing media, all kinds of stuff. I was there. I was the leader. I was always there, always. Every time the doors were there, you'd count me there. But it's not until I was 21 years old that I felt, and I was 20, that I actually accepted the Lord like as Savior. That is a huge, huge difference. I don't, I don't think a lot of Christians understand. Is that like, honestly, God doesn't care if you come to church. He doesn't care if you do all the, the right things, quote unquote. He cares if you live it. And so when you actually start to live it, and you say, God, I trust you for who you are. I trust you for being God, even if I don't get peace and blessings and financial blessings and all the stuff that the church promotes and says that you're going to get sometimes it doesn't happen that way but we need to understand that we need to trust jesus for him not for what he gives us and so that's a that's a huge lesson that believers need to make and understand and learn yeah i, I think you make a great point in saying that um it, it brings me to this thought process that i used to have when i was younger was um being that i i always used to go to bible school for the past nearly 16, 17 years of my life, I've been a, either involved in Bible school or a leader at Bible school. And a big majority of that, I wasn't even a Christian. I was just there because I felt it was the thing to do. And I think the big difference in that is you can 
go to church and you can you could be a member of the church, but that doesn't make you a Christian. That doesn't make you a true follower. That also doesn't mean that you're automatically going to heaven either. Exactly. A lot of people think, you know, I can walk in the doors on a Sunday service uh, every week of my life and I'm automatically going to heaven when you could be living a life of complete sin. Right. And there was a sermon that I listened to by Paul Washer and it was very, very intense. And like, I kind of struggled with it for a while. He claimed that about three-fourths, at least half to three-fourths of American Christians are going to hell. And I was like, whoa, whoa. That can't that, be true. That's quite the assertion. But now now as I kind of like, I thought about it, it's kind of true because like, if God is your Savior, it comes with conviction. And so if you're truly saved, you would not want to do the things of sin that you used to do. Mm-hmm. And so you have to have this behavior switch, you know, Saying that, like, I don't want to curse anymore. I don't want to watch pornography anymore. I don't want to sleep around. I don't want to get high. I don't want to do all those things. And although we as humans don't have the authority to say you are saved or not saved or anything like that, it is possible for you for you not to be saved if you don't feel any remorse or guilt from those things. Well, I should say conviction, not guilt. And so that's just, I'm saying that for something to ponder. I can't say whether you are or not. That's not my authority. It's only God's. But it's something to ponder, you know, because I would rather, like, give up some things and make sure I'm, like, 100% good, you know, <laughs> than possibly ever risking it. You know, what, what, what on this earth to be possibly worth potentially risking walking on the streets of gold and feasting with Jesus? Like... I don't know, man. Back in middle school, I could give you a couple ideas of what I thought was worth it. But What you thought. Oh, yeah, I thought. What you thought. What does the Bible say? Your heart is wicked. It is deceitful above all things. And so if you try to follow your heart, as people Mm -hmm. say in our culture, it's all leads you astray, and you don't end up in a whole pity party full of pain and misery and all kind of things. That's one thing we we tend to overlook is the devil is persuasive. Very. He will do things that you never thought possible. You see, see, Satan has no new tricks. The Bible says what? That he is the master of lies. Mm -hmm. He's the father of lies, and he comes to steal, kill, and destroy and so he, he has no new traits. This is what he does. He makes you question what you know. Mm-hmm. Like he did it in the Garden of Eden and slid up to, to Eve and was just like, did God really say that, though? Bro, you ain't going to die. God's alive. Nah. I think nah, that's the same that. voice he had, yeah. That's, <laughs> that's exactly how he said it. Exactly. He's just like kind of like, you know, that like smooth talker that comes in? Just kind of like, nah, nah, nah. Trust me. You ain't going to die. Like, like, nah. It's just... Probably like halfway spitting game slash rapping something. Uh-huh. <laughs> but, but that's the same thing that he does. And so he comes up to us and just like, does God really care if you watch pornography? I mean, it is a natural act what you're doing. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is natural to have those feelings. Like, come on, man. You know that girl's fine. Like, you know you like want to have relations. Like, he, he that's what he does. He questions. It's just like, it's mm-hmm. like is it really that? It's, like, it's not that big a deal to smoke weed. It came from the ground for, for Pete's sake. Like, come on now. And that's what he does. He has no new tricks. And so we got to understand that he has no new tricks and don't believe in them and follow them. And so the number one thing that we have to do is we have to stand firm. That's why Jesus said that we have to build our house on the rock, which is the word of God. Because he said, if you don't build your house on the rock and you build it on the sand, you, you fallen. The storm comes up and your house is going to crumble. Well, that, I guess that brings me as a new convert to my first question. And it's a very uncomfortable question for you. Go for it. So you're a Christian. Yes. Uh, I, I believe you're pretty devout. Um, you know the word quite well. Would you agree? I could know it better. Okay. Uh, but you would you would say you're you're a pretty true follower to the Lord. 
I would like to think so, yes. I, I do my best to serve the Lord in all areas of my life. So then let's have an uncomfortable moment of confessing to the Lord your most recent slip-up with the devil. Oof. Um, I mean, I'm not really ashamed of it. What does the Bible say? The word we could overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Exactly. So if we don't have... If we don't have any tests, we don't have a testimony. Exactly. If we don't have any sin, we don't have any testimony. And and we have to understand that like as we confess, it's not to say, Oh, look how dirty I am. It's like look at what the Lord can do through exactly. me and what he did through me. And if he did this for me, he can do this for you. It's healthy to confess. And yes. that's why he says you confess your sins to others for healing, exactly. you confess your sins to God for forgiveness. And so my main struggle for ten years of my life, I'm only twenty two, so that's pretty much half my life has been pornography. I, I think we all in some way or another have dealt with that issue. Yeah, and it's just like I heard some statistic that's like like 78% of Christians, specifically Christian men, watch pornography. I'm just like, wow, I'm not alone. And that's, that's what the Bible says, you're not alone. And it's just you, there's no sin that's uncommon to man. And so the main thing is that we need to not be ashamed not not necessarily saying that we're condoning it, mm-hmm. but being able within the right context, meaning when especially when it comes to sexual sin, guys talking with guys, girls talking with girls, do not do not try to talk about sexual sin with a member of the opposite sex. It ain't gonna go well. It's not gonna go well. No. And so it's just being able to go to that person and say, "Hey," because that's what greatly influenced me was that, and also it helps if that person is a little bit wiser and older than you are. Because I had a mentor for a lot of a lot of years, and for about five years of my life, I was able to go to him and said, hey, hey, I screwed up. I need, and he would pray with me. He would, he would talk to me, and, and the main thing that we need is just people being honest. But he would look at me dead in my face, and he would be like, Daniel, that is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. You know that's wrong. <laughs> like, you know it. And that's what we need. We need people to be blunt and just say, don't you do that. Like, I will literally slap you Mm -hmm. if you do that because you know it's wrong. But that's the part of the thing is for some reason we are inherently driven to do things that we know are wrong. It feels better to do it when it's wrong. Well, well, think about it like this. If your mom tells you not to eat any cookies out of the cookie jar, what do you want to do? I mean, I'm going to eat them all, man. Exactly. <laughs> Get all you, the cookies. You want to eat the cookies. And that's the thing is that it's our human nature to be – we want to do the thing that we're not allowed to do. Exactly. But I think that in and of itself is also it's, – it's healthy and it's unhealthy at the same time because it's, it's perfectly normal and healthy to have desires, but it's right. the unhealthy part when you act on them. Well, I think it depends on what the desires are, honestly. Um, I mean, I'm trying to think of how I want to word this, but pr- I think it's a pride issue. Someone tells you, hey, I can't – like, don't do this. And you think that you can handle it, and you end up. Like, who are you telling me? I can do it. Exactly. I want. It's like the way I kind of think about it is that, like, if you're driving a car mm-hmm. and this person in front of you turns their turn signal on, you know they're about to slow down. Mm-hmm. So you can either slow down with them and mm-hmm. wait, and even though they might slow down to like half a mile an hour, and <laughs> practically stop it in the middle of the road, and um, you can slow down with them. Or you can ignore the warning sign that is the turn center and rear end them, or try to go around them and, and head on to collide with somebody. And so the Lord gives us warning signs via instructions. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I tell people is that, like, the Bible is not just a book of rules, it's a book of protections. It is. As a new convert, that's one thing, well, like, really 
diving into the Bible, one of the first things I thought of was this is an instruction manual, but at the same time, this is just, this is like your guide to success. It's literally telling you exactly what to do and what not to do. Exactly. And so my other, I like to think about things in analogies, so you don't hear that a lot out of me in this podcast, but the, the way I think about it is that if someone's going to rob your house and you have a nine millimeter pistol unloaded Uh-oh. on your dresser, what is that good to you? It's not a, it, that's basically oh, yeah. a paperweight yeah. at that point. Really nice. It does nothing. And so you have to have the bullets in it to make it effective, right? And so the the word of God is like whenever Satan shows up to try to destroy you, you can use the word of God and it's like fending off a defender. Mm-hmm. And if you don't use the word of God, you, then you're just like allowing Satan to come in and steal, kill and destroy from you. And God doesn't give you rules to be vindictive. He's not, a, like, a tyrant. He's just doing this for your protection. But it, it goes to what we spoke about earlier of even though this is the book of what to do and what not to do, we inherently want to do what we're not supposed to. So that's where the unhealthiness of it comes from. Well, out. the thing is, is that we're, we're not spiritual beings. Exactly. We were born in our flesh and we were born in our sin. That's why we have to deny our flesh. We have to pick up our cross. It is a daily battle. It's a daily battle, and that's why we as believers are, like, we struggle because this is not, it's learned behavior. Learning how to pray is a learned behavior. You don't, even when you get saved, I've been saved for, like like I said, I got saved when I was six. I'm, I, I've been saved for years, and I'm still learning how to pray because it's such a spiritual mm-hmm. thing. And there's times where I'm like, I want to go pray, but I'm just like, oh, the squats yeah, on off. Xbox low. Like, <laughs> but... You know, you know that best friend that's a member of the opposite sex. They, you know, they're about to call. They're about to be on the way to work. Can it just wait? Then you forget about it, and it's mm-hmm. just like. Then I start to do it. And I'm just like, oh, I'm hungry. I'm gonna go get some food. And then you forget about it, and it's just like. And these, and like, it's not necessarily a bad thing to go play Xbox with the squad or talk to people on the phone. That's not necessarily a bad thing. But what I'm saying is, is that like we have to, and that's that's another thing that I struggle with is that I am so incredibly terrible at pushing away other things and saying, I'm going to read my Bible and I'm going to pray. I am so bad at that. Mm-hmm. Because, like I said, like there's Xbox, there's homework, there's church. Exactly. And, there's, and these things are not bad things. No. We just don't prioritize them correctly. And so, and the other thing is that the Bible is, it's like the, the game plan. It's like, it's like going back to the gun analogy. It's like, it's like putting the gun, the bullets in the gun. It's like giving you what you need. I flat out asked Jesus one time. I was like, God, why am I struggling with this pornography? Why can't I get over it? And he was just like, uh, you ain't got my armor on. And I was just like, uh, okay. I was like. You need to play it up, man. For real. It's just like the Ephesians. There's like the, the armor of God. It's the breastplate mm-hmm. of righteousness. It's the belt of truth. The sandals of peace. The helmet of salvation. Like if you ain't walking around here with none of that, Satan is just going to walk up and just take whatever he wants from you. But that's, that goes to a similar point. I think a lot of Christians always look for the point in their faith where they're like, okay, I'm finally a true Christian or the ideal Christian, but I don't think that's something that can ever be truly attained. Like we're always going to struggle with sin and addiction and things, and we can recover, but we will always be recovering. We can never truly be that perfect Christian that everyone wants us to be. Not until you get to heaven. Exactly. But It's always a journey. But in that, while we're in our flesh, I think a lot of Christians put too much pressure on themselves to be perfect and to never mess up. Right. And so by no means are we condoning sin. Exactly. But also at the same time, you have to understand that you're on a journey. 
And that's the, like I said, saying it has no new tricks. The other trick that he does is he tries to make you feel bad. And he doesn't, he wants to take your eyes off of Jesus and focus it on your problems. Because this is probably going to mess with a lot of y'all, but Satan knows the Bible. Oh, yes. Because he quoted the Bible when he tempted Jesus. And not only that, Satan knows the glory of God better than we do. Because he was in heaven, and we forget about that. He, like, he seen Jesus with his eyes. Like, he knows what he looks like. We don't. Like, I can't even, like, that's just so crazy to me. Like, the that devil is. knows what God looks like. He knows like. exactly what But he there. also knows the power of God, because it was the power of God that sent him out. Exactly. And so the main thing that Satan does is he wants us to not think about the glory of God. Because if you think about the glory of God, it does, one of, it does a number of things. One of them, it makes you think, I can't be doing this because God is that good. And it convicts the mess out of you. It's like, like, the kindness of God leads you to repentance. You're like, you live in the embodiment of that. And the other thing is, is that you understand that there's hope. That's the thing that Jesus preaches, is hope. And meaning, meaning that there is, it's always a journey. Excuse me, there's always forgiveness for you. And all that stuff. And Satan doesn't want you thinking about that. Mm-hmm. Every single step you make is a pro- is progress. I heard this in a TV show, but it's honestly the truth. Like I heard a character say, two steps forward and one step back is still a step forward. And so what I take that to mean in my in my faith with God is that if I go three days without watching pornography, then I watch it on the fourth. I still made it three days. That's celebrate that. Every time you say no to a sin, whether it's drugs, sex, weed, whatever it is, if you say no to it, that is progress, and praise God for that. No one wants to talk about that. We need to celebrate whatever little babies, even if you take the tiniest baby step, that is awesome. Keep going. Now, you just take another one. You just put one step forward, one step forward, one step forward. You just keep going, and then eventually, it's always progress. eventually it's gone. The way I said it, the way I've heard it said was that like imagine you're wearing a backpack and everything inside the backpack is everything you're dealing with depression, suicidal thoughts, pornography addiction, whatever it is and you're just like okay I want I want to stop doing this. You put it down. You're still standing right next to the book bag. There's still memories. There's still access. There's still all this stuff. But you get in your word more that's a step. You delete pictures that you don't need to have on your phone because we we all hide. Yeah, yeah. Like, yep. like you, I can hand you my phone with confidence, not knowing you would find it anyway. Um, oh God! Just take that. Then you, that's another step. You put filters on your phone. That's another step. You open up to a church leader or someone that you trust. That's another step. And if you keep taking steps, eventually that backpack is out of your sight. It is. And all those things that you dealt with is gone. If you just keep walking, one step after another. So, what would you say? Because I think one of the most powerful stories or books in in the Bible is the book of Acts. So what would you say for you and your walk with Christ was your moment of going from Saul to becoming Paul? Like what was your transformation moment? All right. One thing I always strive to be on this podcast is humble, open, and transparent. It's a hot podcast. It's about, yeah, it's about to get Humble, open, and transparent. Um, I was in ministry school, um, and this girl that I worked with, 
she texted me and she was like, hey, um, I want to go Black Friday shopping. There's no one left to tape me. Can you tape me? I was like, sure. I was bored. First step, that was the first thing that was wrong. That was the first step. That was mistake. the first step. That was the first bad thing. And it, when that, that first step, did you know it was wrong when? Yes. You, okay. I felt so. I felt so the you Holy had a Spirit. Sign. I had that yeah. warning. And okay. the Holy Spirit flat out audibly told me, he was like, uh, Daniel, do not go. But I ignored it because I was just like, I'm bored. I'm extroverted. I need people interaction anyway. And so I went. So she got in my, in my truck feeling some type of way. And that's all I'm, that's all I'm getting at. And so I was just like, I was like, you know what? I can handle that. That was strike two. That was wrong. Like, like fellas, if that ever happens to you or ladies, turn around, kick them out. Like, no. Anyway, and so I was like, oh, I can handle that. About 30 minutes later, we were in an abandoned parking lot. I think we've all been there a time or two. Um, all I really say is that I don't know if I'm going to keep this in here. but <laughs> Oh, it's staying but, in here. Um, I, I didn't hit a home run, but I made it to multiple bases. And... And so then she goes into the store, and I'm just like, I'm just like, at first I was like, okay, cool, whatever. And so then I got in my, like, it just hit me out of the blue. I'm like, oh, my God, what did I just do? Exactly. Like, I was like, I am in ministry school preparing to be a ministerial leader. Like, like literally this church or th this um, ministry school produces church leaders, like senior pastors, youth pastors, and, like, all this stuff. And I'm just like, oh, my gosh. I can't believe I just did that. So I'm like literally like crying. I'm not talking about like, I'm talking about ugly snot nose, mm -hmm. like crying. I'm just like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. That's the good kind of cry. It was, the, it was a good cry. And so like it literally, I literally felt like the Lord, this is the best way I did the shot. It's like he gave me a hug. Like I felt the spirit like wrap me up in a hood and I just heard it's okay son we'll get through this together and I just that made me start crying even mm -hmm. more and I and like I get I, I get mm, I didn't I didn't mess up but I just think about it and it was in that moment when I made that transformation I was like okay God I want you to have everything I'm talking everything mm -hmm. like and that's when he became Lord of my life and that's when I started like I started understanding the word deeper I started like hearing from him more at church during white like worship services. And I would like, it was, it, it's like since that moment, my life with God has just been in a, uh, an amazing, miraculous mm -hmm. journey. And it's, and it's awesome. And that's why I'm saying that everybody needs to make God their savior, not just some Christian. And that's why I'm so passionate is that like, I go to church and I look around people. I'm just like, you just left church five minutes ago. And you already you cussing out the parking lot staff, and 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 that's why I'm so passionate about it because I'm just like, I've experienced the goodness of God, and I'm like, I want you to experience this, mm -hmm. but you can't experience this if you're allowing sin to get exactly. in the way. Because what happened when Jesus was on the cross? He said, "My God, my God, why are you forsaking me?" Because God the Father had to turn His back on Jesus because He couldn't bear to. He cannot be associated with sin, and he couldn't even bear to look at his son, who was fully God, but also fully man. And so that's why I'm so passionate about, like, laying all this stuff down that, that we're dealing with because I'm like, this is – there's so much more. Yes. There is so much more. There is. More, there is more to God than this mediocre, like, half-hearted Christianity. And it just – I'm sorry. It just drives me crazy. I'm just like, how, how, how can you be living this way? Right, how can you be talking this way? And by no means, I'm, I'm by no means am I like trying to put anybody down. Yes, I know that we struggle, 
tonight, Christians can struggle, but I'm talking about the heart issue. I'm talking about, like, if you just don't care and you just flippantly just curse, watch pornography, and you feel no remorse about that, I'm just like, how? How? Because that, that's how? the difference is we can do it and feel bad after. Some people exactly. don't at all. Exactly. That's, that's the thing is you mess up, but you know you messed up. That's the first step to exactly. the recovery process. Each time you do it, it feels worse. Mm-hmm. And you lose the pleasure that you once craved out of it. Right, and so, yeah, I know I struck, I opened up and saying that I struggled with pornography, but, like, ever since I made Lord the Savior, I'm just like, ugh, like, how can I keep doing it? Like, it's literally, I'm just like, I'm, like, crying in my bed. I'm like, how did I, I was like, how can I just do that? Because like, it's, it's like your father is watching you make these mistakes, and you have to go confront your father and let him know that you made those mistakes. But, but the more the point that I'm making is that like, I, it's like my spirit became alive in me. Yeah. I became more aware of my spirit. Like I said, I had, I was walking in, the, in discernment. I was walking in words of knowledge. I was exhibiting gifts of the spirit because mm-hmm. I was, that spirit was awakened in me and the spirit was also awakened in me to the point where I'm just like, where he, he shows up and he's just like, uh, you know that's wrong. Yeah. Kind of just like, uh, hey, it's your boy, the Holy Spirit. Like, like, you know that's wrong. But yet then, but then like you the remorse of just hearing that you know it's wrong, but yet still hitting go anyway. Yep. I'm just like, oh, this is heart-wrenching. So in in that idea of sin is a thought, an action, and a consequence, you made that mistake that night. What was the consequence after as far as like you were in ministry school? Obviously. Oh, I got kicked out. So, so with all of that, let's let's look at it. We made the analogy to fathers and parents. How, take me through that moment with your parents. I was actually honestly really surprised about how my parents reacted because I'm like, this is a really big deal. I'm like, oh my goodness! I called them on the way back. I was like, we gotta talk when I get back. And I was wrong. I'm like, we'll just talk when we get back. And I was dreading the whole oh, yeah. 35 minute car ride home. And I dropped her off. And it was painful just in that regard because, like, she was mad at me. I didn't really care. But um, When you say she, the girl? Yeah, the girl. Okay. And so, but there was another girl that I was talking about dating. Oh. And so I, I couldn't hide. I was like, there's no way that I could just, like, because I'm such an no. honest person. Yeah. I told her, and she was, I thought she was about to, like, slip my throat. She yeah. was so mad at me. And that was a terror. She was terror. She's just a terrifying person. And she was, that was, ugh. so I'd imagine Rosa Diaz in real life from Brooklyn. Oh, like no. it was terrifying anyway. Um, and so then I went home and, um, I told my parents what happened and they both wrapped me up in a hood and they were just like, son, it's okay. Like, I'm not condoning what you did, but I love you. And we're going to help you get through this. And, the long-term consequence was that that was not the only incident, incident, yeah. incident. There was a couple others after that, and it ended up getting me kicked out of the school, which led to a lot of pain because that was also my home church because the way they had it set up was that you do online classes and you do all the practicums at the church that I was attending. And so if you wanted to be a worship leader, they would let you lead worship with the worship leader, and they would just be like, oh, this is what you need to work on. And it's a really cool concept, and I really like it. And by no means do I have any bad feelings towards the stool, but I'm just, it got me kicked out. And so then I, w- I was like, all right, time to leave the church. And God was like, uh, no. You're like, no. No, you ain't going nowhere. You're going to sit here and feel it. And so for every, every week, I had to see the same people that I went to school with. 
I saw my old roommates. Because, mm-hmm. like, I'm going to be honest with you, I had a lot of fun. I lived with five other guys. And it was a lot of fun. We would just sit at the table. We would roast each other. That it just was, sounds smelly. <laughs> it actually wasn't that bad. Five it wasn't guys. that bad. I lived with eight guys at Disney. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. wow. Anyway, but we would roast each other. And not only that, we also, we also had fun. We played PlayStation together. But we also had real talks together. Mm-hmm. And I learned a lot from those guys. And, like, I would see them. And they would talk about the various events that they had because the church was very important. Or the school was very big on community. And so they would do like what they called life events where they would just do random things. Like when I was there, we did whitewater rafting one time. So much fun. I fell out of the boat. But that's oh. another story for another day. Um, anyway, um, so I would hear about all these events. I was just like, oh, I want. Oh, I, I miss that so much. And, like, not only that, just seeing the dude that kicked me out every week. I'm just like. So were you and him still friendly after that event happened? Well, our ministries never really crossed paths. Gotcha. Because his primary role at the church was to be involved with the school. And so after I got removed from the program, I didn't really. I saw him, but I didn't yeah. have to deal with him. Yeah. And, but still seeing him was still not easy. It's like you and your ex break up, and you still got to go see her every day. Right. But not only that, another added consequence was that before they kicked me out was that they required me to go to counseling. Oh. Yeah, that was fun. I still go to counseling to this day because it's been so helpful. Yeah. And it's been three years of counseling. And I that, highly, that goes re- into I what highly you recommend said. it. That goes exactly into what you said because you, you say the two steps forward, one step back. It's still always improvement. Right. So you went to counseling. You messed up. You you went back a little bit, but you're still improving to this day. Right. And honestly, that was one of the good things. And that's why I say I have no bad feelings with the schools because, one, they were trying to be patient with me. And, two, that, that leader was always quick to say, I'm not doing anything until I pray. Mm-hmm. He said, get out of my office. I got to pray. I wouldn't hear from him for, like, four days. Yeah. And so he would pray about it. And that's, the counseling came out of the prayer. And I, that's why I highly recommend this because, one, I said you confess your sins for healing. And it's so great to have counseling because legally they cannot tell anybody. Exactly. They can't even tell my parents. No, but I, I think a really important part in that whole story is that you didn't get caught. Like, Oh, yeah, I confessed. Every time you confessed. All three times I confessed. And that's something I find so interesting because I've but times when I messed up in relationships I was in or when I had uh, – sexual deviancies i would always confess i would never i it could be hidden and no one would ever know but well actually that's kind of false and i'll tell you why it's because i was talking with the third incident i was talking with one of the my fellow students who i trusted very well he was he was on the senior pastor track and he's gonna be a fantastic senior pastor one day and I was talking to him about it. He was like, Daniel, you need to, you need to tell him. Like, you need to tell him today. Yeah. He said, if I was you, like, we would have more. We were talking during the morning prayer segment. It ended at, like, I think 10. He said, I would ask him to lunch, like, it's right after this, and tell mm-hmm. him. I was terrified. And he's like, well, here's why you need to tell him. He says, the Bible says that everything that is covered will become uncovered. Exactly. And, and that, so that is a long-term thing. And he yes. told me, he said, he said, it will be much worse if you – Try to hide it, and God uncovers it. Exactly. Like you cheat on your girlfriend, you could tell her right away, or you could go get married to her, and 20 years down the road, she finds that out. Oh, that. Lord have mercy. That would be quite Now you got to tell it to little George and little Susie, your children. Oh, yeah. But, like, 
the the thing is like he flat out told me he's like Daniel, I got your back if you confess. I won't. I will defend you to the other students, and I'll make sure that no one talks bad about you. But if you don't confess, you're on your own. Oh. And I was like, that's tough, but I needed that. And going back to the two step forwards and one step back is that although I ended up getting kicked out, it has made me a better person. I can see I that. Do not all, I do not at all. I regret my actions. I do not regret the outcome because it was my choice. I regret making those choices, but I do not. That's why I said I don't have any bad feelings. It's because, honestly, it made me a better person. It made me, like, to, like I was sitting in this guy's office, and it was me and one of the other leaders and him. And I just, I was like, wow, it's, it made me realize how serious that was. Yeah. And the other implications that I didn't think about was that not only I had someone in my life that I was spiritually mentoring, I was a youth leader on top of that. And I was in, I was in media ministry. And so the way that church's philosophy was that I think every church really should have is that no matter what you're doing, it's ministry. And if you are not acting right, you don't do none of it. Mm-hmm. And so they removed me from the youth leader list. That person didn't trust me anymore to spiritually mentor them. And that broke me. Yeah. Oh, my Lord. That, that, that right there in itself the broke me. Yeah. And it was bad. And so then, but what hurt the mer- but what hurt the most was when... Uh, one of my favorite things was doing Easter at this church is because it was a really big production. We did a really big play. It was all all it was like five days a week. And he was like, No, Daniel, you're not allowed to do this. He couldn't give you any pleasure after making those mistakes. He was just like he was like, Daniel, I love you, but you you're can't. not you're not you're not doing this. And was that the person that you were talking about had your back, or was this someone completely different? That was the person I originally said that would look me in the face and tell me how stupid I was being. Oh. Yeah, but, I mean, you you could see, director. like, how it was love. Like, yeah, it was yeah. love. And, like, and I flat out looked down, and I was like, yeah, it's painful, and I really want to do this, but honestly, I get where you're coming from. And yeah. I wasn't mad at him. And that's what, and that's what I'm saying. I had, no, I had no bitter feelings, and I still don't have any bitter feelings at this church. But... Now, two years later, God finally gave me the release to leave. But honestly, staying and facing the music made me a better person. Yeah. I could feel that. Um, I think while I don't have a specifically similar story, I dated a girl in high school. as my first relationship, and I dated her for nearly five years of my life. And this was the girl who um, was an atheist uh, and helped me become an atheist and all those sorts of things. And within that... Um, I was fueled by the devil. I cheated multiple times on this girl um, without ever doing anything physical with anybody. I, I, I emotionally cheated. Um, I had sexual deviancy. Nobody want to talk about the emotional exactly. cheating. Exactly. So that's the thing. It is. If you go to somebody, like if you're going through a hardship and you're going mm-hmm. to somebody else, yeah, that's emotional. That's emotional cheating. It is. And I didn't realize that at the time. And I did that multiple times because when. I had God at at the in the small ways that I did. I didn't crave much more. When I lost Him, though, when I separated myself from Him, there was a hole in my heart, and I filled that hole in a way that my girlfriend at the time couldn't fill 
And that was by getting the emotional satisfaction from others. That kind of reminds me of a quote from Ravi Zacharias. Um, many of y'all probably know who that is, but he was a great evangelist and preacher and teacher of the word. But he said one time that um, if he, if there wasn't a reality of hell, he wouldn't be in the ministry business. Exactly. He said, if there's no consequences, why not? shoot have a shootout after no exactly and so he said it's not that hell is necessarily bad in itself it's just that hell is the very absence of god i was living that hell and so that meaning that a lot of people are not going to realize how bad it is Mm -hmm. once they realize what's gone yeah because right now the holy spirit is on this earth Mm mm-hmm and so you may not be a Christian, but the Holy Spirit still protects you. And, he, and it still does, and you're, you may be sitting here like, oh, my life is crap. How can you say that? Well, if the Holy Spirit wasn't here at all, it would be much, 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 Only much, much worse. Only if you knew. And so it's just we need to be aware of that. And so it's, so it's like what you said. When we realize how much God actually does and we have that absence, that's how we realize that there's pain. Exactly. And that takes me back to like um, those deviancies I was having and the emotional cheating, everything. I had this perfect relationship in my eyes. Um, and every time I did something bad, um, I regretted it horribly. And I also admitted it. Looking back on it, um, similar to how you had that moment in that car where you had the worst moment and you were at your worst. You had nobody else but yourself. And you had to look God in the face and tell him, I did this. That takes courage. That takes courage. You're like, I did this. For me, after all those times of cheating, life was starting to go up. I was like, I'm going to work at Disney World. This is awesome. My girlfriend's like, I know we had all these problems, but you're going to do it because I believe in you. Um, I was still an atheist. I went to Disney World. What did I do? I emotionally cheated within the first week. Well, the thing is, is that by societal standards, you may say, yes, my life is going up. Yeah. But if God did not no, exactly. ordain this, exactly. it doesn't mean diddly squat. Well, no, that, that's ex- I think that plays a big part of it because I was like, you know, I don't need God. I don't need anything. My life is going up. It's great. I went to Disney. I'm at the peak of my life. I'm living in Disney World. I've got eight roommates. I've got money. I've got a girlfriend. Like, that doesn't be- mean anything. No, in beautiful girlfriend. Board. And I emotionally cheat within a week. I lose the girlfriend. Now I'm at Disney World, the most magical place on earth and the saddest I've ever been. Um, And that leads me to losing the girl, losing my friends, losing my job, losing my home. God will do whatever he needs to do to get your attention. So all of that happened because the girlfriend, she breaks up with me. I'm like, okay, I go have a one night stand with another girl. That's fine. I mean, of course, I was hurt as I could ever be, but I distracted myself. He took away the girl, he took away my girlfriend, he took away Disney World, he took away my new home, and he sent me home, and I had to sit in my house depressed, suicidal, thinking I had nothing else. And it was at that moment that I finally said, I'm going back to church. Well, the thing is, is that, I just lost my train of thought. I don't know. It's, 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 I think it's a complete, uh, it's the complete parallel to what you said. We will hit our lowest moment to find our our biggest hug from God. Okay, so the main thing that I learned in the counseling, and this is why I highly recommend counseling. Some people may only need it for a month. Some people may need it for a couple of years. But I highly recommend every single person on the planet to go through counseling. is because they are trained in their, in their courses to understand psychology. They're trained to understand how the brain works. Mm-hmm. And the thing that I learned was that 
I did not have an encounter with this girl because I wanted to have an encounter with this girl. Yeah. I was doing it out of pain. Yep. And so the sooner that people understand that that your pain will subconsciously dictate your life, mm-hmm. once you realize that, the better off you'll be. It's because that's how I got kicked out. It's because I re- like looking back yeah. on it, I was ultimately unhappy. Exactly. At that school. Exactly. Again, I don't have bad feelings for this school. But, but you were like, what I'm saying is, is that like they put like I went as a business student. Yeah. And like I went in saying like you know what I don't necessarily want to work. I was, actually no, I flat out says I am not working in a church. Yep. I don't want that. I want to go to a Christian school with a Christian environment with Christian people for me to know, and I can go to the school and have the college experience somewhat, and not have to worry about temptation. Exactly. So I went as a business student, but they're like, all right, you still have to go. You still have to go through the same ministerial thing. So prayer six days a week for an hour and a half. And like we had like we had to do this thing that we called soaps. And it was like it was a lot. And I was exhausted. Yep. I was so exhausted. And looking back on it, I was like, this isn't what I wanted. Exactly. That isn't what I wanted. And so I lashed out and I acted out out of my discomfort. And it led to sexual behavior. Exactly. And so some of the people are like, hey, like you might be cutting, you might be like suicidal and all this stuff, but like you might have a pain in your life that needs to be healed. And so that's why it is so beautiful. Just like I would, I remember walking out, like it doesn't happen as much anymore, but when I first started going to counseling, I would walk out of there, I'm just like, oh man, I feel so much better. Like it was and it good just, to release. And, and it's like you didn't just rest because like he legally. Or she, they Can't cannot tell anybody. Exactly. Unless, like, they give you a form when you first go, and, they, and one of the forms is it gives you a disclosure list. And you can, like, write, you can tell people about our sessions, and, like, you can put the relationship, or you can leave a blank. And so, like, it's just crazy. It's just, it's so crazy. Like, they cannot tell a single soul unless if you're suicidal or you think they think that you're going to murder somebody. But to that same point, um, it's kind of what you said earlier about, you know, everything will come uncovered. And it's one of those things where, yes, it's safe to know and comforting to know that they can't say anything. But it's also one of those things where we fear that stuff being told because we knew how wrong it was. And that plays a huge part in sin and what we did. Right. I get, I get what you're saying. But, all, but also at the same time, I find it restful that no one's going to know. Exactly. And so... And, and it, no one it, gives has you, to it gives you a safe space. To talk. Exactly, and that's why I highly recommend it. Because if I could, if I would have known that, and understood that, I would. You would have been more open. You I, a lot of things would be different in my life that I would have known. Then. Yeah, I'd probably be married right now. Honestly, like, like. Yeah, yeah, you can have that. But that's just that's. I'm gonna stay a kid till I'm thirty. That's a, that's a different story for a different day. But like, I, I think the biggest uh, thing out of the stories we've told today is that. Uh, it, you don't understand until it's over. You don't under, like you, you like for your situation and mine. Similarly, we we it hurts what happened, but we wouldn't be who we are without what happened. Right. We wouldn't be with, who we are without those consequences. And on a final closing note, a good father or a good mother, they wouldn't stop you. No. For example, when I was like three. I kept walking up to the oven, wanting to touch the oven. You and my mom learn. kept slapping my hand away and just be like, it's hot, it's hot, it's hot. But my dad was fine just like, let him touch it. He'll learn. You best believe I didn't touch that oven again. Exactly. It's like. But, <laughs> it, but what, the point that I'm making is that 
is that he, my father didn't stop me. Yeah. But then he was a, then he pulled me aside. I was like, well, what did you learn? I learned not to touch the oven now. And our Father, God, exactly. will let us touch that oven. Exactly. And here's the distinction that we need to make is that God does not orchestrate no. the bad things. He allows them. Yeah. Because what he either does, because like the thing is, is that I know we've all probably heard the Bible story of Jesus walks on water. Yes. But what people, I feel like people don't understand is that Jesus went on the mountaintop to pray. Exactly. Like, if you on top of them, like, think about when you're at the beach and everything's, like, flat, and, like, you can see a storm from, like, miles. Mm-hmm. Jesus saw the storm. Yeah. He was sitting on on the, the rock praying, seeing the storm. That, I mean, as a new convert, I don't know the specifics of it all, but I do know one story that hits home with me is uh, the father and his son, and he has to go sacrifice his son. Oh, yeah. yeah uh, Abraham, but he doesn't Abraham, know, Isaac. you know, it was never going to happen. Right. But, like, God sees everything. Yeah. And, and he'll so, allow like, he, the like, he walked paths. out onto the water and, like, to go, to go calm, the, calm the seas and, exactly. and all that. And so it's just, like, God allows a storm to show you how he is. Exactly. And that is faithful. That is good. And so a lot of you might be understanding, well, why am I not going through well, why am I going through this? That's not the right question. Yeah. The right question is, what can I learn from this? Exactly. It's because God has not forsaken you. He has not left you. He may feel far away, but that mm-hmm. doesn't mean he he could be on the mountaintop on the way down yep. to walk on water, yep. to come meet you in the middle yep. of the storm. And so you just have to have faith. You have to be patient and know that God is going to do what he said that he would do, and that is not to leave you or forsake you or to just let you flounder in a storm by yourself. Like, but to that same point. Stuff's going to suck and it's going to hurt and you're going to mess up, but you're going to get through it. Exactly. He's going to help you. He's not going to stop it, but he's going to help you in the end. Exactly. And trying to go back to an earlier point is that like God would do whatever he needs to do to, to get your attention. Exactly. And so sometimes he lets the storm rage so he can let you know how serious he is. Yeah. But not only that, Jonah was swallowed by a fish. Yep. By a big fish. Everybody says whale, but technically it says big fish. But the point is, is that like Jonah was like, I ain't doing that. God's like, don't do that. He's like, no, I ain't doing that. And so he ended up in the belly of a whale. And so we all know the veggie tales about that, right? But anyway, um, God will do what is necessary. And so it's not, God, where are you? It's what are you doing? Exactly. It's why, it's not why God, it's what can I learn? Yeah, what can I learn from because this? Because that whole story I told you about being removed from that ministry school, I didn't understand it in the, in the moment. No. And it hurt like heck. Like, like can't you just let me so stay? so bad. But now, being two years removed from that right. situation, I was like, well, here was God. God was right God here. Was right here. God, God was right here. He was doing God this, was leading me here. this way. Exactly. You don't see it in the moment, but that's why they say hindsight is twenty twenty. Exactly. So just have faith. And trust in God that he's going to do what he said that he would do and that he would heal you, that he would, like, set you free. That's not on your timetable. No. It's on his timetable. But it will come. And the main thing that I – and this is – I promise the final thing about I'm Pentecostal, y'all. That's why I keep going. (laughs) (laughs) But um, I'm sorry, y'all. I had to. (laughs) I'm going to start speaking in tongues in a minute, man. Hey, hey, don't try me. <laughs> but, um, uh, <laughs> I lost my train. Guys, this has been one of the most productive talks. Daniel is losing his train of thought, but, uh, Satan, look, we, we are having a live moment of, of Daniel denying Satan. 
I was talking about I was talking about Jonah being swallowed by the fish and being what he needs to be. Oh, 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 oh. The main thing that if I didn't impart any of my years of being saved to anybody is that a lot of times when we have a preconceived notion of how we want God to work, he it seems like he goes out of his way to not go to work that way. So it's like, for an example, like like I said, I grew up Pentecostal. And so Pentecostals have a thing where they're like, well, if you're dealing with this, come stand right here on this part of the stage. And if you're dealing with this, come stand over here. If you're dealing with it, and like, then they get the holy oil out, and they would just like lay hands on you and all this stuff. Now that's like, a whole other conversation I want to have about that stuff. Hey, that, I'm ready to have it. But um, like I've seen people miraculously healed on the spot. I've seen people miraculously freed on the spot. However, there are some people, <clears throat> me, that walk into their sin and have to walk out of it. And it is a process. My God, that is like a cuss word in Christian culture. Yeah. It is a process. Sometimes, like, they're like, God, I want this now. I was like, sorry, God does not operate in our microwave society. We, it doesn't work instantaneously sometimes. So you have to have faith in God that he is always working. Even when you don't see it, even when you don't feel it, he's working, moving. And you Isn't that a song? Him. Yes, Waymaker. There you go. Yeah. Shout out to Waymaker. Yeah. And you got to trust him. That even though the disciples were terrified when they were on that boat in the storm, Jesus came walking on water. There you go. Like let, let's be let, let's be real here. Th- that was not on any of their minds. No, not at all. He no one's on, no one said was sitting on the boat. Like, oh, Jesus, don't come walking on the water. Like he's just come like skirt. They see me rolling. He's like you know he's doing like a water slide, <laughs> like a silver <laughs> surfer. <laughs> Like no, it, it's like, and so they're probably just like they're, but they tried out to God, and they were. I I would assume to like this is how I would think about it. So like I'm gonna cry out to God. God's gonna like miraculously like all. It's just gonna go to peace. The sunshine gonna come out and all this stuff. But it's like it didn't it didn't go that way. No, it did not go that way. And so, needless to say, don't be afraid if you don't feel like you're moving. Like I said, two step forwards is one step back. And still a step forward. Still a step forward, and um. Just trust him, trust in God, and believe that he's going to do what he said he would do. Daniel, I thank you for having me. I think we have a whole lot more to talk about yes, next we do. time. Yes, I, we do. On, on the next uh, episode you have me on, I want to have a long talk about God saying no and that whole thought process of... Well, there's a lot we can talk about. Exactly. Uh, I want to have that, and then I want to dissect a little bit of the Bible uh, as a new convert. I, there's some questions I have about things like people getting swallowed by whales, and if it's more metaphorical or a real account. Oh, but, we, can, uh, we can get into that. There's a lot we can get into, but I thank you for having me and having this dialect with me. All right, guys. So on a closing note, I promise I'm actually closing this time. So y'all know that y'all can hit me up on my Instagram page at unfiltered Christianity. If y'all need prayer or anything, or just honestly topic suggestions that you want to hear about, I'd be happy to, to hear those from y'all. Does that mean I can hit you up too? Yes. Um, yes. And so don't be afraid to like, I, I don't bite. I promise. But Sometimes. <laughs> unless provoked. <laughs> no, I'm joking. All right, guys, I'm going to pray us out, and I hope you all have a blessed evening. Yes. Lord, thank you for this talk, which was a good one. Thank you for allowing us to have the courage to be humble, open, and transparent. I hope that it, it, it registers in the mind of somebody and that it just affects somebody, Lord, out there, that they, can, they would have the courage to be 
open and transparent with somebody in their life, that you would bless them, that you would heal them, that, that they would walk in courage and in peace, Lord, and walking as a true son and a true daughter of you, God, and not fate. I'm sorry, I had to call it like it is, but in the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Sheesh. Got spicy at the end. <laughs>